0: What's up Oasis Church, how are you doing? Good to see you online. I'm so encouraged by all those who join us every single Sunday and decide they're gonna be a part of what God is doing. Um, Our uh, attendance online has been consistent. Um, And it's been encouraging as your pastor. And I want to tell you that um, our church is so much more about than just watching online. We're about so much more than that. So you're going to be hearing about ways to get connected and connect groups and ways to maybe even serve and give later on in the message. And I want to encourage you uh, that the more you are involved in our community, the more fruit that God is going to bear in your life. And so I'm excited to share God's word today. We are still in the series the attitude of Christ. And it is based off of humility. I really believe God is going to release his favor in our church. And so it's important that we understand humility because the Bible says that God gives favor to the humble and he is opposed to the proud. So wherever there is pride, favor is restricted. And I want our church to experience the fullness of God's favor in this season, and so I'm really excited to share this word with you today. It's something I've been praying about. Matter of fact, I think this is my third sermon, or yes. this is the word that I was meditating on first, but I didn't feel like it was ready. Didn't feel rela- released to preach it, and so this is the one I've been thinking about the longest regarding humility. So, if you have your Bibles, open up First Samuel. Come on, Pastor Jay, go on Old Testament. Let's go. I think we've been in the New Testament. We can go Old Testament. 1 Samuel 18, verses 6 through 16. We're going to read about uh, the very first king that Israel ever had, a man by the name of Saul, who was in the process of being replaced by David. Let me give you a little bit of backstory that it was never designed for Israel to have a king. Um, it's not designed for me to be your king. I can help lead you to Jesus, but I'm not supposed to be your leader. It was always meant to be that the people of God coming together with their families would be led directly by God. And so this is what happened in the wilderness. And this is what happened all throughout the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy. God himself was the leader of the people of Israel. And obviously there was Joshua and, and, and Moses, but they didn't have a king like other pagan nations had, they only had prophets and priests who were their leaders. And so fast forward to at some point in the New Testament, you know the uh, nation of Israel sees that other nations have kings, and they said, "We want a king like every other nation has. They were having more confidence in human leadership than divine leadership. And so God said, "Hey, you know what? Um, I'm going to give you a king." And so he selected Saul to be their king. There's an interesting passage of scripture there because it says, and Saul was head and shoulders taller than anyone else in Israel. Giving us a bit of the context that one of the reasons they were so excited to uh, have Saul as their king is that he was in, they were impressed with his height. I want you to catch that. They were impressed with how tall he was. Fast forward to 1 Samuel 17 uh, which takes place right before the verse I'm about to read. A, a uh, g- enormous, uh, humongous, humongous, humormous. <laughs> you know what? I'm sticking with it. A humormous giant. Try to say enormous and humongous together. A humormous giant by the name of Goliath stood and defied God and the armies of Israel And everyone in Israel, all of their warriors, and Saul was afraid. And I think about this a lot because at this time, David has already been anointed king, but he doesn't have the position. And we all know the story of David and Goliath, that David actually shows up and and kills Goliath. And he says, This amazing, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who dares defies? What a threat! What an insult. Who dare defies the armies of the living God? But David was only impressed with God. That why, that's why he wasn't intimidated by Goliath. I want you to catch this. What intimidated, what impressed Israel with Saul intimidated them later with Goliath. As soon as someone showed up that was taller than Saul, They were all intimidated because they used to be impressed, but now they're intimidated. So we got to be careful that we're not impressed with something because when somebody comes along that has more than what we have, we can be intimidated. So now they're all intimidated. David kills Goliath and everyone is celebrating. He kills the Philistines. It's awesome. And we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 18. The Bible says in verse 6, as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine... The women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. Uh, this was custom when kings would come back from, the, from war, uh, all the women and children would come out and celebrate and honor it. So they came out to meet King Saul. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Mm, so good. Uh-oh. <laughs> The women are supposed to be singing about me. And you gave a verse, you gave David some bars, what's going on? And his bars was a little bit, 10,000s, my, mind 1,000s. And Saul was very angry and this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David 10,000s. And to me, they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre and he did, as he did day by day. David worshiped every day. Saul had his spear in his hand and Saul hurled the spear for he thought I will pin David to the wall but David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but he had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand and he went out and came in before the people and David had success in all his undertakings for the Lord was with him. When Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all Israel and, D- and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. Uh, I want to share a message simply titled, A Song for Someone Else. Wow. A Song for Someone Else. The Literally, the heading of this passage of scripture says, Saul's jealousy of David. Uh, Saul loved David until... Israel started singing a song about David that Saul wished he was singing they were singing about him. Uh, literally, Saul couldn't handle a song for someone else. And I started to think, like, man, this might be an issue in my own life. This might be an issue in the church where we cannot handle a song for someone else. We actually shape our entire life that when people sing praises and when people sing awesome things, we deep down want that song to be about us. Even sometimes I feel people can't engage in worship because it's a song for someone else. It has nothing to do with us, it has to do with Jesus. So, how can I connect to it if it's not about me liking the melody, me liking the style? It's simply a song. For someone else. And I believe that in this series on humility, we actually have two things at war between the person of David and the person of Saul. We have two words. One is called jealous and one is called zealous. Jeez. Jealous and zealous. These words in the Bible are actually interchangeable. And we're gonna talk about those two words a little bit because both words, zealous, which you're going to, if you haven't heard that word before, it's literally a biblical word that means passion. Right. But they come from the same word. When you look them up in Hebrew, zealous and jealous both mean passion. But we're going to unpack on how Saul's zealousy became jealousy. Mm-hmm. Even when I was a kid, uh, there were a lot of songs that were about passion for people. Like now, like we don't have a lot of love songs. Like, There's songs about jealousy. You took my man. I'll take your girl. Like, taking your girl is about jealousy. But I remember when I was a kid in the 80s, I know I'll I'll be 45 this year. I remember there was this one song in the 80s. I only think of you on two occasions. That's day and night. Brother thinking about her all day. And I'm like, now if you sang that song today, you're a stalker. He said, I only think of you two times a day, day and night. Like, I think about you all day. Girls don't want anything to do with that. And now as music progressed, uh, it started to get a little bit more. Remember when Taylor Swift came out with that song, You Belong With Me? Mm. Remember that? Mm -hmm. She was like, if you can see, I'm the one who understands you. Mm. Why can't you see you belong with me? You know, Mariah Carey just like literally broke the record, I think, with that Christmas song. Mm -hmm. We don't realize how much jealousy is in that song. Mm -hmm. I don't want a lot for Christmas. But she says, all I want is you. That's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) All you want for Christmas is me. That's a lot. Might be some jealousy there. How you know I'm not with somebody else. All I'm trying to say is that we actually market jealousy. Jealousy's cool. And we actually don't know the difference between a spirit-inspired passion, which is zeal, and a demonic-inspired coveting, which is jealousy. They both feel the same. And they both could actually be things that God has for you. But one is motivated by the humility to say, what I want is God's will. Mm -hmm. And the other one comes from what I want. I want to force it to be God's will. And I'm actually frustrated that people have it. This word for jealous in the Bible is a a rage. It's a rage. It's a passion that induces anger. This is so important that we get this down because I really believe that we are pursuing a lot of things out of jealousy. We are upset that someone has them and they don't. It's not coming out of a passion because God's revealed these things to us. And these words are so closely related, but you see them in Saul and David, and they couldn't be more different. I want you to understand that God's zeal, write this down, is a burning desire to keep possession of what belongs to him. God's zeal is a burning desire to keep possession of what belongs to him. So there was this one celebrity that read a Bible verse, and I'm not going to call her out because pastors do that all the time, but she said that she doesn't believe in God because the Bible says that God is jealous, and what good God would be jealous? She interpreted that in the English word of jealous, and jealous in the English word means I want something that doesn't belong to me, but jealousy in the Bible, they interpreted jealousy, but the word was zeal that he had so much passion for humanity, he was willing to die for them. And since he created humanity, he wanted back what already belonged to him. They had gone to idols and he was saying, I want back what belongs to me. And the way that he uh, explained this was not, you don't belong to me and I'm jealous that someone else has you. No, I am passionate consumed with a burning fire to be back in relationship with you. That is not the jealousy from the English word. That is zeal. Jealousy could honestly be described as when bitterness and passion mix. It creates a burning desire to gain possession of what doesn't belong to you. It is often motivated by what others have. You, You see the difference? So when I am operating in zeal, that means God has revealed to me that what he has for me is mine. And by faith, it creates a burning passion, not to pursue that, but to pursue God as he leads me to that. When it's mixed with bitterness because I don't have it or someone else does, now I set my sights on who has it, and now it mixes together. Listen to this, and it creates envy. Listen to this definition of envy, it is wild. It refers to the jealous envy that energizes someone with an embittered mind. And it makes you express displeasure at someone else's good without longing to raise yourself to the level of the person you're envying, but only to bring them down to the place that you are in. That's what envy does. The reason why every time a pastor makes a mistake, every time a politician says the wrong thing. The reason why we repost it is because we are mad and envy is of the position that they are in and we can't wait to see them down to where we are. That's how society is trained. We're jealous that someone else is getting attention. We're jealous that this person is married. Someone has a baby and we're believing for a baby and we're jealous and we want it because they want it. But we're not moving over to zeal where we're saying, God, you have that for me too. And I'm gonna follow you and pray and believe until you lead me to it. This is what happened between Saul and Saul. And David and I think about how in First uh, Samuel 17 the Bible says that Saul loved David, and in First Samuel 18 he wanted to kill David, and it was simply because Saul couldn't handle a song for someone else. Can I tell you about this? God will make you have a sing along about a song for someone else, and He has that exact same thing to, and He'll do it. David was a teenager. Can you imagine Saul being a grown man and they're celebrating a teenager for being a warrior? Can you imagine that you can do all the runs as a worship leader? You can do all this stuff. You've been worship leading for 25 years, and now you never get asked to lead a song. You on background vocals on Planning Center for five years, and they ain't never asked you once to lead, but this person who can barely carry a note, everybody's going, wow, you're so anointed. Can you imagine someone booking an audition over and over again for the commercial you went out for, and you have to watch them butcher the commercial in acting, but it still goes national. You have to have someone achieve something that you deeply, and God, here's the thing, God has revealed to you that he has that for you. In my life, I have never seen God give me anything until I learned to sing a song for someone else. This is no joke. It is the worst it is the worst. God will make you celebrate someone that you really want to just like. And so this is what happened to Saul. This is why jealousy is so dangerous. We have to learn to sing songs about other people. Proverbs 27 verse four says, anger is cruel and fury is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? The Bible would suggest that that jealousy is worse than anger and fury. This is wildly important we get this in this series of humility because for me, I didn't realize I was being affected in my life about what I felt others get to do and others don't get to do. You ever see someone living in complete sin and it seems like God's blessing them? Yeah. And then God likes to convict you about every little thing. Yeah. <laughs> like you just in Ezra, you can't even read Psalms and God's like, I want you to stop doing this. I want you to stop doing that. You're like, my roommate... Has, is on her third person spending the night and she just got a promotion and I'm broke and I tithe. Come on. And you start to be envious or jealous of what, and you lose your passion. Do you know that one of the words for envy is a decaying desire? Oh. Which means that you have gone so long without having it that it's decaying and creating the stench of jealousy because someone else has it. When all you would need is not allow that fact that that person has it or the fact that you don't have it yet to destroy your God-given desires, you need to keep your zeal because jealousy replacing zeal will decay your desires. And you won't actually even be motivated to pursue it anymore. You'll just be absolutely furious that other people have it. This is wild to me. This is absolutely wild to me. And so as we unpack what actually happened in this short passage of scripture between Saul and David, I really believe God is going to uncover ways for us to stay away from jealousy and keep our passion because it feels the same, but one is pride and one is humility. I wanna read a couple of more verses from this. And it's very simple. It says, as they were coming home and David... uh, Returned from striking down the Philistine, the the women, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing, dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments, as we read before. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. It's important that we realize that the original language said that the saying displeased him. And a harmful spirit showed up, and Saul began to rave about David. Rave, rant, if you will. But that word "rant" is translated prophesy. Mm-hmm. Now, now he was jealous. He was fearful, and the word "rave" is translated prophesy. It's the exact same word. When they say that Saul stripped off his clothes and began to prophesy another translate, it's the exact same word. And what did he say? Are they not going to give him the kingdom? So his jealousy actually produced a prophecy. But instead of accepting what God was doing, he was mad at it. So what happens is that if you're not careful, I want you to know this, fear produces discernment just like faith does. It, it does. A jealousy can produce a prophetic word. He got it right, except it bothered him. When you're operating in faith and zeal, what, what God is doing prophetically encourages you. It doesn't discourage you. And so what I want you to catch here is that uh, uh, sometimes your fear will produce a wisdom that is demonic. Sometimes your fear will produce a prophecy or the word. What did the, what did the devil say to Adam and Eve? when they ate from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. God just knows that you'll be like him. He knew what God had said earlier. Let us make man in our image that they may be like us. So the enemy came in with the prophetic and brought sin. He knew it was the word of the Lord. This is why jealousy is so dangerous because you will actually hear from God why you are being jealous, but you don't have the humility to participate in what God is doing. Because what Saul should have done is taken David under his wing and said, I haven't been king long but I got some things I can show you. Saul was willing, wasn't willing to give up his position even though he knew in the spirit what God was doing. Do you know the, I, 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 I've been thinking about this as I'm becoming an old man. The average age of a lead pastor is 45. I, excuse me, 54, I'm, I'm gonna be 45. Um, you better prepare yourself that in the next 15 to 20 years, there's, I hope that I'm not the pastor of this church. I do not want to be 65 climbing up here like, give it up for Pastor Julian. Mm-hmm. And they got to sit me down in a chair, prop <laughs> me up, put something on my back. to. Uh, no, no, no. There's too many young. The average age is 54 of every lead pastor. Did you know the average age of a lead pastor 15 years ago was 44? Wow. Guess what it was when the church began? 20. Because there was only one. It was Peter. Right. He was 20 years old. So what's happening is, Pastors are becoming, not shepherds, but kings who want to hold on to what God has given them even though God is in the field putting oil on a shepherd. I'm about to throw this binder dead into that camera. Can we do that without breaking a lens in front of me? If I just get... (laughs) So we don't want to lose what we have and we start to compare. So he started to compare Literally. The attempted murder of David came from a song lyric. That's how crazy jealousy is. It came from a song lyric. It says he was angry and couldn't handle the song for for someone else. And the Bible says in verse 10, so this harmful spirit uh, from God rushed upon Saul and he raved within his house. And a lot of people are like, why would God send a harmful spirit? Well, he had removed the Holy Spirit from God. So, so, so the harmful spirit from God was now being used to accomplish the purposes of God. And a lot of people try to break this down, but at the end of the day, God has all authority. He can get to his will, whatever he wants. But I will tell you this, uh, it, wherever the Holy Spirit has been removed, every spirit can move in. Yeah. I, I will tell you that. And it says, so uh, he raved within his house while David was playing the lyrics, he did day by day. Can you, do you want to hear something wild that I really didn't have time to read because I can't read like two chapters? But do you know that the Bible said that every time David played his harp, the evil spirit that God gave Samuel would be calmed under the anointing Jeez. of David's worship. Let me get this straight. God removed the comforter, the Holy Spirit from Saul, gave the comforter, the Holy Spirit to David, gave Saul an evil spirit to cause discomfort and then made David play the harp for Saul to bring comfort to his discomfort. All of that was to prepare David in humility to be king. I want you to write this down. You cannot play the part of a good king if you're not humble enough to play the harp for a bad king. Okay, I just need to repeat that. One of the biggest, you cannot play the part of a good king if you're not humble enough to play the heart for a bad king. If you not, have not brought peace and tranquility to, to a place that is bad, you're not ready to lead something that's good. Jeremiah 29, 11, they would put it on coffee mugs and it's, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you a future and a hope. But a couple verses before that, God asked Israel to be in Babylon, the worst place it had ever been in. And they said, Pray to the Lord for Babylon, for its prosperity and its peace will determine your peace and your prosperity. God wants to see how good you can be in a bad situation. And God wants to see how good of a leader you can be under a bad leader. That's how he prepares you to be a good leader is he'll put you under a bad one. How he prepares you for a good place is it put you in a bad place. This is wildly important. and He does it to bring about humility. And, and for Saul, I, I don't know why God would give Saul an evil spirit, but I believe it humbled him. Since you can't rely on me to be king, you will rely on me to be sane. Wow. And now you're not even sane unless you're in the atmosphere of worship. You guys, please don't be jealous. It's not worth it. Right. Sing the song, write the second verse, do whatever you got to do. Celebrate other people. Do not be jealous of what other people have. Yeah. I want you to catch another thing that is really important about uh, humility in this verse. Is the Bible says that Saul threw a spear at David, and one of the things I've been looking at is like not just accepting that these things are normal and natural. I mean, um, I've never thrown a, thrown a spear at anybody on staff, right? And I think so many times, I think it's because I don't have a spear, <laughs> right? Like maybe that's, is it my anger? Do I have an anger problem? Is it because I don't have a spear? And so we actually just skip over biblical things and we never even look up what they mean because I just thought it was odd that he threw his spear. Like that doesn't mean that it was next to him and he got mad. It was a custom, an ancient custom. When a leader was displeased, When a king was displeased, he had the right to kill that person. So God, as our king, has the right to kill us. Oh, watch this. But he didn't. He gave us grace and mercy. So Saul, because he was in a jealous rage, did not have the capacity to give grace and mercy for the things he was upset at, David. So he did what the custom said he could do, and he threw the spear. And cultural custom was, if that person was able to dodge the spear, they were no longer Under the authority of that person But they could leave the presence of that person and live So the Bible says that David dodged the spear twice Which meant that he wasn't under Saul's authority He was under God's John 19 34 says This about Jesus on the cross But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear And at once there came out blood and water Jesus could have dodged the spear to prove that he wasn't under the authority of man, but he took the spear that was meant for you. You see where I'm going with this? He took it so that we could be forgiven of our sin. So this is a theme throughout the Bible that can encourage you to understand how to be humble, that Jesus took a spear. Watch this. God loved Jesus. It was his one and only son, and God somehow enabled For David to avoid a spear that Jesus didn't and took. Sometimes you'll be in a season in humility where you will avoid the spear that's thrown at you twice, but sometimes you're going to get hit with it and it ain't going to feel good. It ain't going to feel good, but God's doing that to bring humility in your life. Fast forward just as a cool fun fact. Ephesians 6.16 says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which with you can extinguish all the flaming darts or spears of the evil one. It's the same word, which means whenever I dodge the temptations that the enemy's throwing my way, I prove that I'm not under his authority and I am banished from his presence. That's why it says, resist the devil and he will flee. Don't allow the devil to bring jealousy in your life because it will destroy your zeal when you have jealousy of what someone else has, it destroys the passion and the desire to pursue all that God has for you. That's why it takes such humility to stay in zeal and zealousy, not jealousy. The Bible says, um, um, as we continue, and I think I'm gonna, um, uh, skip this part because, um, I have way too much information, but I will um, summarize it. Um, Saul, I realized in the beginning of his life, didn't like himself. The Bible says when he was called to be king, he hid among the baggage. He wasn't confident in who he was. And that's why he was so intimidated by David because he was never really confident in who he was. And the Bible says that you and I, should love our neighbor like we love ourselves. And I really believe the more you hate yourself, the more you will hate people who love you. And the more you love yourself, the more you will love people who hate you. The entire point of this sermon is that you would get all that God has for you, but that you would be humble enough to sing a song about someone else Mm -hmm. in the process. Who is God asking you to sing a song about that you just like... Happy birthday to you. And like, who's God asking you to celebrate right now? Who's God asking you to congratulate right now? Who is God? And they have what you want. Like, we love to congratulate sixth graders that get an eight because we're not in sixth grade. Who is God asking you to congratulate and celebrate that has something you're trying to pursue? Do you have the humility to sing a song about someone else? Because Saul did not have that humility. And I am seeing in my own life that when I see what another church is doing and the first thing I try to do is achieve that in my own church, that is jealousy, not zeal. Because if I cannot sing a song of praise about what God is doing in their church and I'm criticizing or I am comparing, then I have moved away from God-given passion into demonic jealousy. And everything that I do eventually will decompose the God-given desires that are in my heart. That's what envy is. It's decomposing desires is one of the definitions. So if right now you don't have any fervor, you don't have any passion, you've lost your zeal, the chances are you're really feeling a sense of jealousy for what someone else has because it has killed God-given desires if you don't even care if you get married anymore and that used to be a burning passion of yours, then you've sat at one too many weddings. You know, they say always the bridesmaid, never the bride. They never say always the groomsman, never the groom. They never say that. But you get, I mean, sometimes you've watched God bless other people so much that you don't even think he's gonna do it for you. And now you're living in jealousy and not zeal. It takes a lot of humility to keep passion for what God has for you while congratulating people who get it first. It's really hard to do that. It's hard to keep your passion to get married and you've been to 20 weddings. It's hard to keep your passion to build a church and everyone else's church is bigger. It's hard to keep your passion about being an actor and everyone's booking the audition. Or, Or it's hard to keep your passion to stay in this role and everyone else is getting the promotion or whatever it may be. You might be single, you might be married, whatever it is, it's hard to keep your passion and your desires from dying while celebrating what seems to be the world gets it first and i believe that god has called the church to divine leadership and so a real leader is okay eating last getting it last we're want to lead people into god's presence and god's favor what i love so much about david's humility and i'm really shocked cuz i thought this sermon would be 50 minutes and i'm almost done <laughs> this is crazy So if you read all of 1 Samuel, which I encourage that you do, because it's really hard to sum up a relationship with one passage of scripture. But what really blows me away about David is David was there when the women sang the song. He heard them sing the song. Can you imagine how awkward that is, right? Imagine if like you and like me and... My pastor, we walk into a room and people start singing a song. Julian's a great leader, Pastor Philip, you know, or it would be awkward. Like, that's not the way it's supposed to be. He's a leader. He's a pastor. And one of the things that I can say that I did, and obviously my role is completely the grace of God, but I can tell you, I deeply desired for people to sing songs about Philip. And there was never a time in our church where I was a leader or where I was a preacher where they weren't singing songs about Philip. That was a conviction God gave me from reading this passage of scripture. I was the interim lead pastor. Philip wasn't feeling well. He took six months off. And for six months, he said, you are the lead pastor. You can do whatever you want for six straight months. I preached less than half the time because I didn't know if he was going to come back and take the church, and I didn't want the people to start singing songs about me. As long as God had anointed Philip to be the pastor of this church, then the songs needed to be about him, and that was the way that I lived, lived my life, and it was convicting, and at one point, I wasn't even sure what I would do with my life if this didn't work out or, or whatever, but I had to be okay with the sing, because I want to be think it put you in the head, David's head of, they're singing a song about Saul. And I don't know what David was thinking, but what if he was thinking, this isn't about me. I know I killed a lot of people, but I did it for my, for Israel. I did it for the King. And what if that stuck with him? And I want to suggest to you that I think that it did because Saul did nothing but try to kill David for some Bible scholars say 16 years that Saul tried to kill David And in Saul's attempts to kill David, Saul was actually killed. Saul died. And it doesn't say that David said, finally, Saul is dead. Finally, I don't have to run from Saul. This man ran through the hills of Israel and and, and the Philistines for 16 years because Saul was trying to kill him. And it doesn't say anywhere that David celebrated it. You know what it says? It says that David wept. And I believe it is possible that the first thing David thought of as he was grieving the death of Saul was that moment where the song was sang about him and Saul couldn't handle a song for someone else. And so you know what the Bible says? I can't prove it, but I think that David might have been thinking. You know what the Bible says at 2 Samuel 1.17? Then David composed a funeral song for Saul and Jonathan. And he commanded that it be taught to the people of Judah. It is known as the song of the bow and it is recorded in the book of Jashar. How humble do you have to be that someone who was jealous of you tried to kill you over the song that was sang for you. And then when you died, you're so humble that you wrote them the song they never got and made Israel Sing it. David made sure that Saul got his song. And oh my God, I feel the anointing. If you are really called to leadership, if you are really called to wealth, if you are really called to ministry, if you are really called to business, part of your responsibility in the kingdom is that other people will get songs that they never got. It still isn't about you. And when David got the crown, his first responsibility is he gave Saul the song he never got. If we can lead with that kind of humility, God will promote anybody who lives their life making sure other people get their song. If you think you are called to influence and favor and money and finances, how many people are having songs sang about them because of how you're leading? That is humility. How many people are having songs sang about them because of how you're giving? How many people are having songs sang about them, written about them because of how you're serving? This is the humble servant, one that can handle not only having a song sang about someone else, but when you're in authority, you'll write one about someone else. I really believe this is the difference between zealousy and jealousy. God-given passion and demonic given jealousy. And so I want to pray for you. I believe that there's some areas that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal in your life right now that have gone from zeal to jealousy, and God's going to deliver you, and he's going to bless you, and he's going to free, and he's going to ask you to be able to handle a song for someone else, but he's also going to ask you when he promotes you to give somebody a song they never got. People don't have their their parents in their life. People's parents got divorced. People never got their song, and God wants you to be about other people. And so Father, we ask you to release our hearts from the spirit of jealousy that has taken a hold of us. May we be able to handle when other people get praised and when other people are getting honored are getting honored. and may we never lose, never lose, never allow jealousy to decay the desires that you have put in our heart because we're having to wait so long or we're having to watch so long. And so I believe, Lord, that you are freeing someone who's had to wait and who's had to watch other people get it. And they're going to be able to walk in divine passion for the things of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, love you guys so much. All you jealous people, make some noise in the chat. Put in the chat, I'm jealous. And hey, if this church has blessed you in any way, I'm going to give you what I feel is a divine opportunity and that is to give. I really feel that God is saying as a church, if this ministry has blessed you, remember uh, the first time the tithe was mentioned in the Bible is Melchizedek blessed Abraham in Genesis 14 and Abraham responded with giving a tithe 10% of what he had. And so we're gonna start doing that moving forward. If this church has blessed you, if this sermon has blessed you, if this community has blessed you, would you respond by giving? And I think a great challenge, if you've never given to Oasis Church before, um, is to start by giving one time a month consistently. That could be uh, 25 You can go right on push pay. There's going to be a way to do that on the screen. And you can sign up for reoccurring giving and give uh, $25 a month, $50 a month, $100 a month, $5 a month. You can do whatever you want. But commit that you're going to start giving once a month. And here's what's going to happen. I believe that as we come together in unity with one of these core values we, we give together, God's going to really bless us collectively in our finances. I would love, and I feel in my heart, that 25 people watching online, that's not even a lot because there's like 1,500 people on there, but 25, I'm, you know what, I'm going to have some faith. 50 people. Come on. Come on, 50 Fifty people would make the choice to give to Oasis Church, their community for the very first time today, and sign up to be uh, to give twelve times this year. That's not a lot, Church. Uh, use the faith you got, but to sign up to give twelve times this year. And I really believe God's going to bless you. So as you prepare your offering, just say, Hey, I'm in, I'm going to give at least 12 times this year. And I want to start my journey of faith. And if you've been consistently giving, I just want to say that we appreciate you. God honors that. And we are so grateful for your consistent giving. And so we love you so much, church. We believe God's best, his best days are ahead. That's just something we believe here. And we can't wait to see all that God does in your life. Love you so much. And I'll see you soon.